You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Drew Moffitt, exit founder and currently mentor at Techstars and also an angel investor. And in this episode, we'll talk as usually about fundraising, how Drew approached it in his past companies and how he sees it now in the pandemic world. So Drew, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Tailbus. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a two-time founder. I have uh, one really fun story about how it blew up. Uh, a second business that I was able to um, quickly grow from kind of zero to half a million and ultimately sold. That was uh, Tailbus. And then I spent three years uh, building four corporate back ventures for really large companies, uh, including uh, Ford for the CEO of Ford. And um, now I uh, do continue to do some large corporate digital transformation and corporate innovation type work. As you mentioned, I'm a mentor. At Techstars, outside of that, I mentor and advise other startups around uh, strategy, growth, fundraising, marketing, those type of things. And I've started to dabble uh, starting a little over a year ago. Uh, I've now made eight angel investments. Nice. That's real cool. And by the way, congrats on the, uh, we'll, we'll get deeper. We'll go deeper into that you know, development for Ford and how that actually works because I'm personally curious have okay. a little to no idea of how how that's done so uh, first of all let's start with your background on your company specifically and one of them uh was acquired and the other didn't really work out so let's talk about the one that failed first because i personally love discussing failures as everyone knows so let's talk about the failed company what happened there yeah i think i think failures are one of the best type of lessons you don't really learn how to do anything you know you think about us walking for example or riding a bike it's a painful experience a lot of falling down and, and the same is true when you're doing your first business or just doing a business in general uh, you need to get those kind of scars and become comfortable with failing because there's a lot that can be learned from failing uh, um so first company was called forever not it was a relationship betting app that let you place an anonymous uh, bet on the relationship status of your Facebook friends or celebrities. Um, this was pre kind of cryptocurrencies. So you were just playing with a, a virtual token, a virtual game chip, uh, very akin to Zenga poker chips. Um, <clears throat> it went viral. Um, I helped launch that business. We raised half a million dollars very quickly when we went viral. So it was kind of just nice. like, you know, the, the, the money, the money kind of showed up, um, which was very nice, pleasant experience. Um, and then we uh, had gotten probably upwards of about 50 place uh, placements in the press, uh, all kind of organic earned media. Um, we made the decision to launch this right around Valentine's Day. So there was natural kind of Everyone's talking about love, and here's an app that lets you predict Kim and Kanye if they're going to break up soon. I got on Good Morning America, I was in Business Insider, I was on Sirius XM, uh, as, as well as a number of other uh, big name placements. Um, unfortunately, Apple kind of operates uh, uh, what they describe as a curated uh, apps, uh, app store, and we're actually seeing this fight now 
breaking out between Epic uh, over Fortnite and payments and and uh, Apple's App Store. So there, there's definitely a strong regulatory uh, component that Apple is not running a private app store. They're actually running a public utility because it's basically only two places that you can uh, you can list your mobile apps, either the app store or the Android Play Store. And as a result, they, they tend to have pretty, uh, we just don't like your app, so you'll get you'll get removed. It's, it's not super known activity, but they believe that our app was violating their mean kind of harassment policy uh, guidelines, which is 1.1.1 in the developer uh, 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 SDK, you know, design guidelines there. And um, they have one right after that is, is that says, well, if you're engaged in political satire or comedy or something like that, then it's allowed. Um, and it isn't a clear cut line in the sand because they banned us, but they didn't ban TMZ. And, you know, we all know that there's a lot of nasty stuff said on Twitter and Twitter still exists on, uh, on iOS. So it's unfortunately just one of these things where if you get on the wrong side of the coin, you have no course, no recourse. And that destroyed the business because the business was built mobile first and was centered around uh, 2013, 2014 timeframe when we were building that business. And at that point, like something like $50 billion had gone through the app store. And I think about 10% of that had gone through the play store. So uh, just pivoting to Android, you know, it basically the, the amount of monetization just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I ended up returning the money to investors and uh, uh, moving on. <laughs> Nice, nice. I mean, you still return money to investors, so that's that's great. Uh, I mean, it all happened in about a four to six week period of time. So we launched, nice. we went back, we raised money, and we were banned. <laughs> that, that's fast. Sleeping on a couch, going on Good Morning America the next morning, and then <laughs> nice. That, that's that's really cool. What's that? And then I had nothing. You know, I was my app was banned, returned the money, and I was back to sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Perfect. That's the startup life in a nutshell. Uh, so let's talk about the successful company. That what what happened there? Can you tell us a little bit more about the company that succeeded and that you have exited? Yeah. So um, took a lot from that learning experience of doing firm or not. One of which was try to fail as fast as possible. Try to get to market as fast as possible. Try to start like getting the ideas out there. Trying to learn, seeing the way that consumers respond, and then kind of developing and building uh, what the, the market, what the, the users are telling you. So Tailbus was kind of this just complete sprint. I was a solo founder this time around, which is a very lonely experience. So I would not recommend that for anyone. Um, and quickly within like 60 days was already making our first revenue, just kind of went from idea to like first revenue. Six months, we're doing half a million dollar run rate. Um, and I kind of got to this and I completely bootstrapped this and done this very, very small amount of money. Um, and I started realizing that this was a space that was just underfunded. Um, if you look at Silicon Valley, uh, pretty much no one has invested in the busing space. There was a bad signaling. Andreessen Horowitz had gotten into a bus, uh, busing startup, um, probably I think around 2014, 2015, maybe 16 timeframe. Uh, I built Tailbus. Uh, in the 2015-2016 timeframe, um, and Andreessen had, had lost everything in this investment in a very kind of spectacular, very quick fashion. 
Um, the, the business, I believe, is called Leap. There was some pretty uh, mean press around it that kind of dragged Andreessen through the mud. Uh, and that unfortunately signaled that to, to other VCs not to really touch the space. So um, I realized kind of at that point, like I had built this business, but I was unable to really hire and, and scale a full team. I had about 10 part-time contractors working in various capacity for me. Um, and the business was actually making money. It was slightly profitable, but it wasn't profitable enough to like actually live in New York City as, as, as and you know, it needed, you need to reinvest that money to, to continue to fuel growth. Um, and at this time I had, Past, I just kind of crossed past with the, uh, the founder of Rally, um, which is the, the, the largest competitor in the space. And he was really impressed with how quickly we've been able to grow the business and how what a loyal uh, customer base we had. And he agreed to actually buy the business. Um, and they had subsequently, like within about six months after that, had raised a lot of money from Mercedes Benz. Uh, they'd gone through the Techstars uh, uh, mobility programs with Ford. So. Um, you know, they've done really well afterwards and it was the right kind of decision. And I think kind of my advice for that specific thing is so first off, if you're trying to build a venture back startup, um, you know, do some research before you even build it, that at least this is a space that VCs are at least interested in. Um, so that you know, there, there's potential to, to go out there and find uh, fundraising of institutional capital. And then the secondary piece of that is. You know, don't ever have too much of an attachment to the business. Um, you know, understand often founders are so attached to it, it's like their baby. Um, it's sort of like parents sending their kids to college. Like you need to be okay with letting that that uh, that child leave you. Um, so that would be my advice to to someone else building uh, a business. That's actually great advice. And I personally hundred percent agree with that. You know. There are multiple businesses and it's only just one of you. So definitely follow that advice. Um, now let's talk about fundraising for both of those. So first business, the uh, uh, betting business, you mentioned that you've raised $500,000 like really easily. Uh, how exactly do you approach that? So how do you approach the fundraising for a business that was already going viral? So, yeah, so we had had some conversations um, you know, we launched the business in February officially. We've been in closed beta before that. We got all the press around Valentine's Day. Um, and prior to that, we had a couple of conversations and with various investors. And a lot of those people just kind of came back to the table. And one or two people just came out of the woodwork and was like, here we are. This is crazy. You just I just saw you on business insider. <laughs> It was one of whom was like a friend. He was introducing me. It was a colleague from college who was introducing me to someone. So uh, that is like the ideal situation to be right fundraising in because it just all happens at once. Um, but the the unfortunate reality is that as someone who's fundraising, and and this is more the case with with Tailbus, um, as a solo founder, I was also, I was having to run the business and fundraise and fundraising in itself is a full-time business and running the startup, uh, early in, in, in any stage really is a full-time job. So those, uh, you really, it's good to have two co-founders, uh, at least um, when you're early stage, so you can have someone that's really dedicated to the fundraising process. And that was just door knocking constantly. And that was slugfest. And just kind of discovering that, wow, like all the VCs have already passed in this space. 
Um, and like there's, there, there, there wasn't really opportunity for outside capital to be excited about that business. Um, mm -hmm. I would say the, the, the founders, you know, advice to a founder I've watched and I invested in, in a startup and it is this very tenacious uh, female founder and she just hustled for five, 10, $20,000 checks and just continuously doing that. And I, um, that is the attitude you have to have. You just have to be doing that full time. And that, you know, her other co-founder was like running the, the, the tech stack and running, running the business. And she was just meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. That is the way that you're going to traditionally succeed. You're rarely going to be in a situation like forever not where, you know, everything just magically kind of falls together for that moment. And the investors are rushing in the door with you. Mm-hmm. 100% that's rare and 100% fundraising should be a full-time job for like two or three month period for you. So that's, that's really fair. 100% true. Um, so let's talk about, uh, Tailbus. just a recap. So you didn't raise any money from VCs or angel investors for that project, right? Yeah. Which it, at the end of the day actually worked out quite well for me. Um, you know, given the fact I was the, the holder of all the capital, um, mm -hmm. You know, the business was structured. It was a traditional Delaware C Corp to take outside capital, um, but I, I never invested. So I ended up being the, the sole beneficiary. Nice. That's really cool. That's one of the benefits of not raising money and getting to an exit of any kind. Yeah. Pretty much. So <laughs> still, still a nice move. Still a nice move. Um, but for the other business, you did manage to raise money and investors actually came to you. Uh, but did you actually make any outreach to investors and how did you structure that? So did you try to reach out to a specific su subset of investors? So did you target investors investing in dating apps or something like that? Or do you just, you know, uh, spray and pray? Yeah, it was a lot of just spray and pray. Um, it was the first time trying to fundraise. It was going and thinking about anyone who had ever crossed paths with, let me, you know, send them an email. Let me see if they know anyone. Let me tell them what I'm doing. Um, at that time, the, the tech, uh, kind of ecosystem meetups, you know, the meetups happening in New York, it was more kind of a closed knit group. So there was actually kind of people floating around that orbits, um, doing things like that. We, uh, I actually won a pitch competition, um, at the time, there's a, a meetup, sorry, a co-working space that was sort of done by some real estate developers, um, not venture backs like we were, called Alley. Uh, I think at the time it was called Alley NYC. They hosted like pitch nights and they had some prizes. Um, so I ended up actually winning that pitch competition, but we were doing a number of those type of things. Uh, my co-founder was at Columbia Business School, so she did a pitch competition around uh, the CBS. <laughs> and entrepreneurship there. Um, so all of those just hitting the pavement, both through your basically contacts in your phone uh, and, you know, your LinkedIn, as well as, um, you know, physically trying to, to, to garner people's attention. You just have to try at every point. And that, that's why when you're doing it, it's really, to your point, a three, four month process, often maybe even longer. And it's really a full-time job that one person is doing. It's just figuring out how to get another meeting and another meeting because you have to have uh, tens and tens of no's just to, to typically see the, the first, you know, see the yeses to get you to the finish line. Mm -hmm. 
Got it. So let's move on to the more current situation and talk about those uh, companies that you've built for corporations. So how exactly does that work? Yeah, so it's a little bit of when when I was doing this, it was a little bit of a combination of uh, venture studio and kind of McKinsey. So we would I would go in and I would leave a small team of typically two to three people um, uh, in addition to myself. And we basically would just have a one line mandate and we'd have I wouldn't say unlimited resources, but enough resources to really get something moving. And um, we were operating on a very quick shot clock, which I think is the best way for a startup to think about it. So we had 12 weeks initially to go and build a new business and validate that, that there was a business opportunity there. So in the case of like Ford, they were looking to validate that there was a, a, an opportunity to build an ecosystem of third-party developers around the car and making the car uh, monetizable from a connectivity perspective. So that's your, basically your sentence and then go run and, and build me that business. So that became Ford Transportation Mobility Cloud. Um, Jim Hackett is pretty much shortly after uh, we finished that first 12 week sprint, the board agreed to, to, to buy a startup called Autonomic and then they uh, announced that at, at CES 2018. Uh, I did this for an alternative uh, a little, one of the largest financial conglomerates in India uh, called Reliance and um, specifically under Reliance Capital. And similarly, so like we just hit the ground, never even been in the country, didn't understand the regulatory space, um, but it was like build me an alternative, build me a financial services business in the non-urban environment. So um, having those, and it's really good, I think, for founders to think about, okay, how do we try to build at such speed that we don't get bogged down in features? So a lot of times, like we were running a, le uh, a loan management system in Excel, right? If, if you were to sit there and storyboard or design how we're gonna build this business, you probably won't put Excel or like Airtable or something like that as how you're gonna actually manage loans. Um, but when you're doing it at that speed, you don't have time to go build something else. And it's very good because it allows you to quickly um, you know, approach the situation, see how the consumer is reacting to it, and then iterate and build it. So I really strongly recommend, you know, all of that was centered around like no code, low code solutions. Um, so really thinking about how you can build your business without having to write code uh, is a really really good way to test any ideas. I think that the co-founder of Product Hunt is a good example. That business initially was just an email newsletter. Um, and he talks a lot about how that just kind of turned the business into something and then he built what the, the consumer wanted. Right, that's perfect approach. Personally, love it. Big fan of Lean Startup Model. So definitely recommend following or at least trying to follow that model. So um, let's talk just a little bit more about fundraising and specifically failure and mistakes in fundraising and your previous experiences. So you know, looking back at all your previous companies at pretty much anything you were involved in, what do you think was the major mistake you've done there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, tail bus would be the, the, the best example of this. I 
was so gung-ho on just running and building the idea, I didn't even think of looking to see if this was a space that VCs were interested in investing. So that would be my kind of primary um, advice to someone that's thinking about, and like my personal mistake is like, make sure this is an area that VCs are writing about in blogs or tweeting about or something that they're going to ultimately be interested in funding. Because if you're not in that space, then you're going to often have kind of a, a problem getting that first set of cash in the door. You can see this a little bit with Airbnb and, and those guys, they talk about, I think it was like four years where they just really struggled to bring any real meaningful cash in the door and from a fundraising perspective. And like Fred Wilson has talked about how he, you know, he has the, the, uh, the cereal box in his office of here's the cereal box that they were selling because initially Airbnb to make money, they were literally selling like cereal boxes and like toilet paper. Um, if you, if you know the story and he famously called them, their business disgusting. And they're like, VCs weren't thinking that was a problem because it's not a problem that they encounter in their day-to-day life. As Fred Wilson, who's someone who's very wealthy, he is never going to think of letting someone stay in his beautiful New York apartment. And when he goes to San Francisco about staying in someone else's apartment. Um, So whereas like Uber, for example, that makes a lot of sense when the tagline was your personal driver. Well, as someone who is like Fred Wilson or any other type of VC out there, you know, they probably have their own driver, uh, especially if you're like in New York City. And um, that concept resonates with their mind really well, whereas like Airbnb um, and letting someone stay in their nice house does not. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very accurate again. So, yeah, let's let's move on to a more common to current date 2020. What do you do now? Yeah, so. Just kind of through my network, people have uh, approached me to continue to do digital strategy and like corporate innovation type work for PE and public type companies. Um, But, you know, where my passion really lies, obviously, with that work, but I have a soft spot in my heart for startups. So being a mentor at Techstars is a really rewarding activity for me. And, you know, additionally, I mentor and advise a number of other early stage companies. Uh, specifically around like growth, strategy, fundraising, marketing type activities. It's really like how do you quickly take idea, execute on that idea, and, and turn that into something that is uh, you know scaling, growing, and, and ultimately ma- raising its next funding round. Mm-hmm. Got it. So also you mentioned that you were doing some angel investments. What do you invest in? What stage and what field do you usually invest in? So I'm personally kind of all over the place Uh, and I think about 14 or so months of being an angel investor, I've made eight investments, which is a pretty decent cadence. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not the fastest out there from an eight or most deals per per time period, but I've invested in things like relativity space, which is actually 3D printing rockets and that's quite later stage. Um, they, although the rocket has yet to take off, so it's, there's, there's still an opportunity to watch that, uh, literally explode in front of you. Um, as well as like <laughs> early, <laughs> as well as very early stage companies, like pre-seed rounds for a company called Lance. I was speaking to that, that founder, Una, 
she, um, you know, just being that tenacious fundraiser and Atomo, which is disrupting the credit card space um, and the credit scores. And that's also a, a seed round uh, type investment. Also another great female founder there. And um, Cadence is another one that I'm really excited. That was a, a seed round investment as well, also in the financial services space, but that's centered around private markets. So um, in addition to some real estate um, startups and some legal startups, so it's really kind of industry and sector agnostic. Uh, that's perfect. That uh, clarifies things. So that's for my listeners who might be a good fit for you. I'll make sure to leave a link to Drew's LinkedIn in the description of the episode. So if you think you're good enough, definitely reach out to Drew. And on this note, we're moving on to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So Drew, what's the one thing you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Yeah, so I think, you know, the, the most important thing often when you're thinking about fundraising is who your kind of social network is. So if you're here in New York City, where I live, um, you know, I co-host uh, with another person, uh, a, a meetup that's hosted on sailboat called Venture Sales, specifically caters to um, founders and investors. Uh, the website's venturesales.co. Uh, go there, sign up to get invited into the group. We host sailing events during the summer and happy hours during the off season. It's just a great way to meet a really good quality group of people, especially if you're like an early stage founder or and or uh, angel investor, LP, family office, VC. Nice. That's really cool. I'll make sure to leave a link to the description of this episode. I think a decent chunk of my listeners are based in New York. So hopefully some of them were fans of sailing <laughs> uh, and my call to action is going to be as usually go to the description of this episode i'll leave a few links there and yeah follow the advice mentioned in this episode and as usually have a good day